This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. That's why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome to the War Room. It's not Stephen K. Bannon. It's Natalie Winters. We're still coming at you live, sort of from Capitol Hill. Obviously, we're not in the war room itself, but don't go anywhere because we still have a very, very packed show for you. We're going to start with Kane from Citizen Free Press, then we're going to go to Jeff Clark, uh, and we're going to finish the show with Tim Burchett, the wonderful congressman from Tennessee, to really run us through everything that is going up on the Hill and what accountability looks like, because we're tired of the press conferences, we're tired of all of the investigations. We want to see some actual action but speaking of someone who's been getting a lot of action lately, that's Kane from Citizen Free Press. He just released uh, his uh, traffic numbers from the last week, but really the last month. And if I'm, I'm not mistaken, you're almost hitting 13 million page views a day. You can see the graphic on screen. Just absolutely wild traffic numbers, especially for a site that I'm told routinely peddles misinformation, disinformation, and conspiracy theories, all wonderful <laughs> things we love here in the war room. But Kane, thank you so much for joining us. If you just kind of want to give our viewers a little bit of a rundown on just how wild these traffic numbers are. Yeah, uh, I'm happy to do that. And how about that intro, Kane, who, who speaking of someone who's getting a lot of action. <laughs> There I know you, you did that on purpose. Hey, tell your producers, by the way, and I can happily do it this way, but I, I have no video as I see you. So if there's any visual cues from you, I'll, uh, I'll miss them. But yeah, for people who don't know, here's a shameless plug. Go to citizenfreepress.com right now. It loads faster than any other news site, and there are zero ads on the entire site. I always forget to remind people, six years, no ads, my site loads fast. Here's here are the basics on it. We up or I update headlines from about nine nine or ten in the morning until three in the morning, all day, every day, seven days a week. So all the new stories are going to be at the top of the stack. For new visitors, they're going to think a seventh grader designed the site when in fact it was Natalie Winters who designed the site. <laughs> a little <laughs> comedy aside, it you know it's built. The stack was actually Bannon is responsible for for sort of helping me create the stack in the sense of uh, of how much he loved it. But so all the news, all the news stories are always going to be at the top. So you don't have to search through three columns like you do with Drudge. As for our traffic, um, yeah, it's crazy, Natalie. I, you know, I'm the CFP nation is an amazing place. It's not me. It's the people. But yeah, we're 13 million is right. We're doing about 14 million Monday to Friday, 14 million pages and about 12 million on weekends. So we're on a 31-day basis. We're getting close to 400 million, and Drudge is right about 635 million. He publishes his numbers every day on his website, so that's how I know those. So yeah, uh, you know, independent media is rising, and uh, it's not just Citizen Free Press, but but I appreciate the kind words. Certainly. Well, that sort of brings me to my second question along this this line um, before we get to, I know you want to talk about the 2024 election. You have some interesting analysis. 
Uh, but I think that, you know, the growth of your site, it's sort of interesting to juxtapose that, right, with the release of the Durham report, for example, where we see these mainstream media outlets effectively acting much like big tech does, but sort of information laundering operations um, on behalf of whether it's the three letter agencies, CIA, FBI, you take your pick. Um, I really think that, you know, I think the Hunter Biden story exposed a lot of ties between big tech and the federal government. I think obviously a lot of people who are watching this show already know that the mainstream media has a similar sort of convergence or really merger uh, with the federal government. But I, I think the Durham report is going to start to unravel that narrative a lot more. So just real quick, do you do you think that the mainstream media's I don't even want to call it dereliction of duty because it's not that it's something a lot more sinister. I think it's an intentional uh, in intentional effort to distribute misinformation and propaganda to the American people. But do you think their actions have you know helped fuel your side or do you think people are just hungry for the actual truth? And are, are you providing them with that? Yeah, those are a couple good questions. Um, Certainly, it it, helps, it it fuels the fire. And the reason I know that is you see the comments. You know, as much as we all telegraphed what was coming with Durham and we knew the prosecutions were done after Klein Smith, the one, you know, guilty verdict with Klein Smith and the two not guilty verdicts. By the way, I'm going to try not to lose my point, but here's a tangent I've wanted to, I've wanted to discuss with you, Natalie. We've arrived at a time in this country when, when trial venue location determines guilt in America. And... So, um, and so that's essentially what happened in the Durham case, right? Those were some solid cases, especially the second two that were not guilty. But how are you going to get a, a guilty verdict in a city that votes 95% Democrat and who has been brainwashed by everywhere, you know, by everyone in the media that anyone associated with Trump is Hitler? And so you obviously vote guilty for, you know, for anything that sort of sides with Trump. So, so yes, it's fueled the fire. People are pissed off. There's probably been a you know an uptipping an uptick in traffic since the Durham report, but in general, you know what it is, Natalie is, um, if you're you know if you're a leftist, if you're a Democrat, where do you have to look for news? Well, anywhere you can turn on television on any channel, and you will find news for your for your side, and and you go on social media or or anywhere online, and it's all there. But for conservatives, it's not that way, right? They have to find their way to shows like War Room, and they have to find their way to sites like you know, Revolver and Gateway Pundit and Citizen Free Press. It's not so easy. And so I think that helps me or, you know, the site as an aggregator in that, you know, our audience, the MAGA audience is, is sort of itching for a place that puts everything in one place. And I, you know, I try to do that. I, you know, what a maniac I am. And, and I really try to, you know, do 100 to 110, sometimes 125 stories a day stuff that our side wants to read. Certainly. And uh, unfortunately, we got to go in a sec because I got to get to Jeff Clark to talk about the weaponization hearing. Speaking of maniacs and crazy things unfolding on Capitol Hill today. But I know you had some interesting analysis. You know, according to MTG, we are in impeachment wink week, maybe better than Shark Week. Yeah. I don't know yet. We'll see. We'll see how it unfolds. Uh, but you had some interesting analysis about the timing of pursuing impeachments. If you just want to walk our audience through that a little bit, and then, like I said, got to let you go. Yeah, no problem. And, and I look forward to hearing what Jeff has to say. Um, just really quick. Yeah, it's impeachment week. I love that she was going after uh, Matthew Graves, the attorney general, or not attorney general, but the uh, the head of 
DOJ in, um, in Washington, D.C., and I like that she's going after Mayorkas. My one question about Biden was just, look, we want to make the biggest political impact possible, right? So why not begin impeachment pr proceedings against him next summer, next July, next August, so it's fresh in voters' minds? However, I was quickly corrected uh, by readers on my website who pointed out, you know what? Let's not Im impeach him twice. Let's impeach him three times. Let's get him once now for <laughs> Afghanistan. Let's get him for fentanyl in the border, let's say around Christmas. And next summer, uh, let's just get him for being the worst president in the history of the United States. I think that qualifies as a high crime or misdemeanor. So, yeah. So, th so my point was just, you know, let's time it. Let's use this to our advantage for November 2024. But, you know, hey, they impeached Trump twice for no reason. And I think we have three excellent reasons to impeach Biden. So thanks again for having me on, Natalie. I appreciate it. I think we got three reasons at least. Kane, if people want to follow you and stay up to date with the site, where can they go? Well, citizenfreepress.com obviously loads super fast. And I have Spencer Neal, who kicks butt 18 hours a day on our Twitter feed. Excuse me, Twitter feed. He used to, used to write for Washington Examiner. Super smart guy. So you can find Citizen Free Press on Twitter. And thanks again. I enjoyed it. Thank you it. so much. Awesome, always. A pleasure and honor to have you. Thank you so much. Speaking of some other big news, obviously, we saw the hearing that went on today with the Weaponization Committee. But this is also my first time getting to interview Jeff Clark from the Center for Renewing America, which I think is almost as big of a deal, obviously. I'm kidding, but I am obviously a, a huge fan and I admire what this man has gone through in defense and support of our country. So it is a true privilege to get to interview him. And frankly, I think there's no better person to bring on the show today to sort of unpack and run us through what exactly we saw unfold on the Hill today. We had some really amazing line of questioning from Congressman Matt Gates. Really, I think Republicans brought their A game and their A team, uh, but someone who really has experienced the weaponization of the federal government firsthand is of course, Jeff Clark. So if we have you joining us down the line, I'd love to get your reaction uh, to the hearings today. Sure, Natalie. Well, thanks for first, uh, you know, I'm glad to be on with you. And look, I got to give some unsolicited advice to Steve that he's got to make sure that uh, he keeps you happy before the networks come knocking. And uh, you have to take the pledge now that you're not going to turn into Caitlin Collins. Uh, so happily. I'm pleased to be here. Very yeah, happily. Excellent. Um, so look, uh, these hearings today, I think that the Democrats knew that they were going to be blockbusters and that you know these witnesses are incredibly sympathetic. Before I talk about their testimony and some of the really unbelievable things that they've gone through. And you're right that they're brave and that they've really been through the ringer. Uh, you know, let me just start with a high level rebuttal point. It's clear that, you know, one of the main uh, response points they came to the hearing with, the Democrats, was we're going to try to turn this around and say this is reverse defund the police. Uh, this is, you know, defund the, the FBI. Look, this is easily dealt with. The uh, argument that they made, uh, especially starting in the summer of rage in 2020, was that they want to defund the police. And what they've been defunding, all these Soros prosecutors like Alvin Bragg, uh, et cetera, is actual law enforcement enforcing against street crime. That's what they want to defund, even though it leads to death, property destruction, people being injured, people being terrorized and staying in their homes. That's what they want to defund. That's clearly wrong. It's not what local DAs are supposed to be doing. And it's certainly, you know, what uh, the local 
combination local and federal prosecutor in D.C., uh, Matthew Graves, he should be prioritizing going after that kind of street crime. So the turnaround doesn't work. What uh, Republicans want to defund here, or the witnesses who spoke in favor of that, like Steve Friend, my colleague at the Center for Renewing America, want to defund, is the politicization of the FBI. And it's clearly become politicized and weaponized against one particular type of people in the United States who are disfavored inside the beltway, disfavored by the establishment really of, of both parties and, and demonized. And you know these are these uh, men who who testified today. They're all very brave. Most of them had been they have military service or other law enforcement service, uh, like Steve Friend. And there's just you know the way that they're uh, dealt with in their stories today. I think were really compelling. So I'll, I'll pause there for a second, and then I'll get into uh, some of the parts of those stories that really hit home. No, I definitely want to have you you go through those stories because I think it was a multi-hour hearing, and I know that the war room posse is is busy. With you got you know four hours of war room a day, you can't obviously watch all the hearings. But there was one moment that particularly stood out to me. I believe it was Congressman Matt Gates questioning. I think it may have been um, the, the fellow from Center for Renewing America, where he says we were actively taken off cases dealing with child sex predators and child yes. pornography to write down license plate numbers and track parents who were tracking people who just wanted to make sure their kids weren't being indoctrinated in the K through six level, just being good, hardworking, you know, protective parents. And they were intentionally being pivoted instead of going after child sex predators to going after parents who just love their children. And I think it's that instance where I think there's a lot of parallels when you guys talk about, you know, the woke and weaponized budget where it's not just that we're talking about waste, fraud, and abuse, or that there's, you know, government funds that are being used for super superfluous means or just being, you know, used for, for the wrong means. It's, it's something more intentional. And I think that's what this hearing really got to today, right? I wish the FBI were incompetent, but I don't think that that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a highly weaponized, in some cases, militarized, we see the IRS getting millions of dollars to arm themselves. Uh, it, it just sort of seems, you know, Steve always says, make it make sense. And I, I, after watching this hearing, I was just sort of left with that same sense of feeling where, you know, we're not dealing with incompetent people. We're dealing with very competent people, just with very sinister agendas. So if you want to maybe walk us through some of the highlights from the testimony side of things, I think the audience would appreciate that. Sure. So look, um, you know, in that instance that you gave, and I'll, I'll go back to that in a second, and in uh, you know the uh, anti-Catholic bias, uh, looking at folks who want to go to Latin Mass as if they're extremists, you know, domestic violent extremists, the parents at school board meetings, uh, you know, recently on the web, uh, you know, on social media, it's you know surfaced this you know ring video of this woman the FBI wants to interview about being you know a pro-life, uh, you know, protester and activist. It, you know, it's really a weaponization against. Uh, those who hold traditional conservative values, traditional religious values, and that is their uh, agenda. You know, it's it's sinister, it's anti-American, it's anti-First Amendment, uh, and it you know both in its, its speech capacity and in its protection of religion in the uh, religion clauses. Um, it's really shocking. But but let's talk about you know Steve's story about that, right? So he. Uh, he's a local law enforcement officer. He works hard. He gets a mem become a member of the uh, of the FBI. 
you know, he's so good and elite, he gets trained uh, with all the SWAT training. Uh, he goes to an Indian reservation where he, you know, goes through really grueling uh, duty and a lot of very tough crime and management kinds of issues. Uh, and then after he, you know, does his service there, you know, he decides to move the family. You know, he's given a choice of a couple offices. He goes to Florida and, uh, you know, stationed in the Daytona office, and he's going to head up all the anti, you know, sex crime stuff, especially child pornography. So he does that. You know, he has to work with a lot of local officials, uh, you know, because the FBI is not really resourcing it well necessarily. He's almost kind of a one-man army to do it federally down in that office. Then the time comes where they come to him and they say, hey, you know, we want you to start going after the January 6th folks. Uh, and, you know, they, they parceled out the January 6th defendants to the individual field offices so that they can prop up and cook their numbers, make it look like there's a you know, uh, a widespread epidemic of domestic violent extremists, uh, white supremacists, et cetera, when that really doesn't exist. You're just talking about things that trace back to one day, January 6th, 2021. And so he gets pulled off of that. Uh, and, um, you know, he just, he raises uh, questions about whether the FBI is following their procedures, whether they are cooking the the numbers, uh, you know, are, are, are they going to use too much force to take in a particular, uh, you know, person they wanted to question in connection with January 6th. And then, you know, they, they, he also complains and says, look, I'm being pulled off of the, of the uh, child uh, sex crime related issues. And they tell him like, all right, well, we're not really going to do those. We'll, we'll just leave those now totally to the, uh, the local process. It's, it's just flabbergasting, right? It shows you the priorities. They're completely misplaced. They're going after the wrong people. Uh, and, they're leaving real crime, you know, to fall off the table unpunished, the kind of crime that devastates communities and could devastate particular families and, and uh, harm children for the rest of their lives. It's really just inexcusable, Natalie. And it really seems like they're trying to manufacture this crisis, whether it's hate crimes, white supremacy, whatever the word of the day is. I, I love the term poly crisis from the World Economic Forum because it's so <laughs> redundant. But you know, I, I think to, to sort of take a step back and zoom out, you know, why exactly are they manufacturing this crisis? In other words, you know, obviously we've been tracking the weaponization of the FBI, right? That That's part of the show. We're very committed to that. But I think the other agencies that have been engaged in, or at least careening towards a, a broader, wider scale weaponization, I think DHS, CISA, entities that should be focused on cybersecurity and anti-piracy and actual election fraud, have now sort of, now sort of pivoted um, really into the censorship business, which I think the censorship and the misinformation and the disinformation countering is sort of the natural extension when you see the FBI laying the groundwork, right? This pretext that, oh, we have a huge, uh, overwhelming, massive tidal wave of white supremacy and hate crime. So we need to censor people who say that we need to make sure that they can't go out and protests. So it's not just isolated, right, to the FBI. I think a lot of these agencies are sort of working in, in tandem. But when it comes to cooking the books, because I think that, that that really is an important point to really single out sort of the, the buried lead from the hearing today, you know, why why are they doing it? And in other words, what do you think their end game is? Is this something that they've been pushing towards even under Trump, even under Obama? Is this a new thing under Joe Biden? What's What's the end game here? So let me try to tackle that in two ways. First, I'll tell you that, you know, when I was at the Justice Department, 
you know, dealing with uh, domestic violent extremists, um, you know, was not ordinarily what I would work on. Um, I was involved, for instance, in discussions about what to do about the Portland rioters in 2020, especially the ones who were nightly attacking the Marco Hatfield courthouse. Uh, and, you know, obviously that those were domestic violent extremists, right? They and their compatriots throughout the country that summer caused, you know, billions of dollars in damage. You know, you got the famous CNN clip where it's like, well, they're mostly peaceful while it's burning in the background. Um, you know, they attacked that courthouse with ball bearings. Uh, you know, there's uh, the, the person who had the, the controversy with, uh, with Dan Goldman uh, recently, uh, you know, reporter from Town Hall, you know, notes that he saw them use an IED against that courthouse. So I was involved with that, right? I'm, you know, totally happy that to to be involved in trying to fight that. I had all kinds of ideas about how to fight it. Um, you know, they 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 weren't pursued. But when I would hear about domestic violent extremists on the right in you know general meetings with the deputy attorney general, I would just kind of scratch my head and roll my eyes and be like, you know, like what are you even talking about? Like I don't I don't. I don't observe this phenomena that you're worried about. So that takes you to your your second part of the question, Natalie, which is, you know, where, where's what's the end game for this? I mean, I can't help but see it as connected to the misinfo, disinfo, malinfo issue, right? That it looks like a, a kind of um, determined plan to strip Americans through fear mongering, through the creation of a kind of you know boogeyman. Uh, you know, of of uh, Nazis around every corner um, that, uh, you know, they could use to take away our freedom of speech, our freedom of religion, you know, our freedom to associate with one another and to, you know, uh, uh, weaponize the criminal justice process against those whom they disagree with, right? Like we know that they don't, they, you know, they want an abortion right seemingly like over everything. Uh, and, you know, that's why they're weaponizing agents to go out and harass people uh, like, you know, and arrest and prosecute Mark Halk or other, uh, you know, protesters. You know, where's just sort of the idea of, okay, well, that's their view. They can vote for it in, you know, different local, federal, uh, state elections. Why do they have to, you know, demonize and prosecute people who hold traditional values that life is important and that, you know, children shouldn't be killed in the womb? I, I just... I don't see it. I don't. I remember some acrimonious conversations when I was in law school in the '90s with classmates on the other side, but I don't remember any of them basically thinking that it would be appropriate to put me in jail for holding those views. Natalie, well, I think you left out the best part. While they're doing all of this, accusing us of being neo-Nazi terrorists, they're also going to be running cover for Hunter Biden and making sure that Congress can't get their hands on the 1023 whistleblower document and hiding information when it comes to his suspicious financial transactions. You got Treasury running cover too, really, really all the agencies, DOJ as well. We got a few minutes before, unfortunately I have to let you go, but obviously you are a, a brilliant legal mind. Like I said, it's an honor to, to speak to you. Um, and I think a lot of times the war in posse, we like to give them you know, the raw unfiltered information about what the problems are up here on the Hill. Um, but obviously we also wanna pursue accountability too. I, I personally like the word retribution better, uh, as Donald Trump always likes to say. Um, but what exactly does it look like in terms of combating this really nefarious, woke, weaponized, all of the above influence at the FBI? In other words, what are sort of the steps that we could take, either as American people or our lawmakers, to actually push back against this weaponization that, frankly, 
makes the Chinese Communist Party and what they're doing over there, I mean, really look like child's play. And I would know as someone who, who's done a lot of reporting on that. But where do we go from here? Sure. So look, you know, at this point, uh, we have one House of Congress and Congress, particularly the House, uh, you know, have two uh, uh, tools. One is the power of the purse. They really need to get to these agencies, both in the intelligence community and in the uh, law enforcement community with the actual you know, upside down priorities. And they need to use the power of the purse to set the priorities right, to, uh, to fight the woke and weaponized priorities to end those. Uh, that needs to be wielded you know, very, uh, uh, you know, forcefully, very forcefully. And then also they have the power of investigation. And that's, you know, what this hearing did today. It shined a, uh, you know, shown a great light on this. And, um, you know, what can the, the viewers do and listeners, you know, they can uh, speak to their members of Congress and say, look, we don't want this funded. We don't want to be attacked in our communities. We don't want to be, uh, you know, uh, watched as we go to the church parking lot. And Jeff, before I let you go, I hear you might be working on something that is of uh, very significant interest to the War Room Posse, frankly, the world writ large. If you want to give us a little bit of a, a tease, I'm sure the audience would appreciate that. Sure. Well, thanks, uh, Natalie. Hope, uh, you know, maybe uh, if you put in a good word, uh, Steve will have me on next week to, <laughs> I have to no talk sway. about that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, well, but but yeah, I think you have more sway than than uh, than you'll uh, you know give uh, give sway to uh, if that's a that's not a term. Uh, that's just a that's a slip of the tongue. In any event, um, what what is that project? I, I've written a a, a paper um, and also have an op-ed that's just uh, come out in the American Spectator about how a lot of the the root of these problems is this fiction under the constitution that the justice department is and should be independent. It's not independent as our framers saw it. It reports to the president. And that's our our constitutional system and we see not only is the left constantly arguing to try to set up DOJ as a kind of uber fourth branch of government that supervises all the rest uh, and that the president can't touch, but even the right, the center right, some people there, they think DOJ should be independent and what the paper does it's just it blows that stuff up. So, um, you know, that's the teaser. You can find it on our website, uh, the center, uh, the uh, AmericaRenewing.com. And I hope that uh, the readers, listeners will go uh, take a look at it. And Jeff, we got to let you go, but what are your coordinates if people want to follow you? So I'm at Jeff Clark US on Twitter and Getter and at Real Jeff Clark on Truth Social. Thanks, Natalie. Thank you so much for joining me. Stick around. We have Representative Tim Burchett, the wonderful congressman from Tennessee, coming us to talk all things oversight, Hunter Biden, the Chinese Communist Party, the World Health Organization. The list certainly does go on. We'll be right back. In today's world, we face challenges like government overreach, attacks on communication, global conflicts and natural disasters. And relying on your cell phone in these scenarios simply won't cut it. That's why I've been partnering with Satellite Phone Store over the last year to help you stay prepared and ensure your vital communication remains private. They're one of America's largest satellite telecom companies with thousands of happy, well-prepared customers. For a limited time, get an Inmarsat, Insat phone or Iridium 955 satellite phone for free 
Let me repeat that. An Inmarsat ISAT phone or Iridium 955 satellite phone for free. These are top of the line. Iridium phones work anywhere on Earth with a clear view of the sky. Cell coverage reaches only 7% of the Earth, while Iridium covers 100% of the Earth. Satellite phones provide secure communication with no tracking or eavesdropping. Even the U.S. military uses Iridium. If cell towers go down for any reason, your satellite phone still works. Now, don't miss this offer. In addition, we work with the folks at the Satellite Phone Store to secure a special discount for our subscribers. Use promo code STEVE50 to waive the $50 activation fee. Let me use that again. The promo code STEVE50, STEVE50, to waive the $50 activation fee and get 10% off products like generators, Faraday bags, or solar panels in May with code STEVE2023. Let me give that to you again. You get 10% off products like generators, the Faraday bags, or solar panels in the month of May with code STEVE2023. Now visit Satellite Phone Store today. Go visit sat123.com. That's sat123.com. Life can change in an instant, so don't wait. Stay prepared, connected, and protect your privacy. Visit sat123.com. President Trump recently issued a warning from his home at Mar-a-Lago. And I want to quote this. Our currency is crashing and will soon no longer be the world standard, which will be the greatest defeat, frankly, in 200 years. End quote. He did that in the interview that I had with him a couple weeks ago at his home. Now, there are three reasons the central banks are dumping the U.S. dollar. Inflation, deficit spending, in our insurmountable national debt. The fact is there's one asset that has withstood famine, wars, and political and economic upheaval dating back to biblical times. That would be gold. Gold has been a hedge against chaos from time immemorial. And you can own it in a tax-sheltered retirement account with the help of Birch Gold. That's right. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k maybe from a previous employer, into an IRA in gold. And the best part, you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Let me repeat that. You don't pay a penny out of pocket. Just text Bannon to 989898 for your free info kit. They'll hold your hand through the entire process. Let me repeat that. Birch Gold professionals will hold your hand through this entire process. Now think about this. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. It always has been. How much more time does the dollar actually have? Protect your savings with gold like I did. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers. Text Bannon to 989898. Get your free info kit on gold. Text again, Bannon, to 989898. Remember, the best part is you don't pay a penny out of pocket to get this information and start the process. Do it today. Take action. Stephen K. Bannon here with a warning. When's the last time you checked the legal title to your home? What if the title to your home, the legal document that proves you actually own it, 
is in some criminal's name. That's home title theft, and it's a total and complete nightmare. Home titles are online now. Once a criminal forges your signature, it's a race against time to stop him before he takes out loans against your home, or worse, sells your home. So when's the last time you checked your home's title? My partners at Home Title Lock demonstrate how criminals get you in minutes. They found the title to my home online and forged my signature, stating I sold my home. Some criminal was now the owner. Home Title Lock helps shut it down. That's what they do better than anyone on this planet. How do you know some criminal hasn't taken over your title to your home? Find out free with a sign-up and get 30 days. Let me repeat that. 30 days of free protection when you use promo code Bannon at HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Bannon. That's promo code Bannon at HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com. Do this today. Take action, action, action. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, the mission of USAID is to promote and demonstrate democratic values abroad. So, ma'am, why does USAID think taxpayers should pay for a study on the intersection of gender equity and climate conflict? Um, I'm going to have to do, I'm sorry, I keep doing this, but I, I want to know more than the headline. Well, ma'am, it's in your, it, it's, it's in it your be, old literature. There's a lot, there, there's a, we have a lot of literature and a lot of programs. Yes, so ma'am, if, but if we could follow knowing that you're coming series. up here to discuss this and knowing that at least my side of the aisle might be concerned about some of these things, it just seems that you all should be more prepared for this type of thing. Well, this has gotten dozens of calls from concerned East Tennesseans who are concerned about what effect this so-called pandemic trade treaty would have on their freedom. The World Health Organization has no right to tell hardworking Americans what the heck they do with any kind of health care that they need to have. We are even funding the World Health Organization. Why, why the heck are we even funded them in the first place? The United States is their largest contributor. Since 2010, we've given over $3.5 billion. That's with a B. That doesn't mean a lot here, but I'll tell you what, in East Tennessee, it means a whole heck of a lot. The World Health Organization pandemic treaty is very vague. It, it, it affects our sovereignty, and uh, it could be exploited to, to tell Americans what kind of health care that they need in the event of a global pandemic. My priority has always been protecting Americans' freedom to choose their own health care and also protect American companies that are investing in health care. The Biden administration, honestly, I don't think they can pour water out of a boot if the instructions were written on the dadgum heel. They don't care about our interests and they don't share them. During the COVID-19 pandemic, the Biden administration wanted to give away important intellectual property related to U.S. companies' vaccine research. Last year, I introduced a bill to protect Americans' intellectual property from being wrongfully seized and handed over to the Communist Chinese Party, and I'll introduce that bill again this year. Thank you all very much for the opportunity to be here. Welcome back to the War Room. It's still Natalie Winters, not Stephen K. Bannon hosting, but he will be back tomorrow at 10 a.m. But in the meantime, we are very lucky and very privileged to be joined by the wonderful Congressman Timber Chet from Tennessee. I think the House Republican Conference would be a lot luckier to have more. I don't want to use the word politicians because he is a statesman, and I use that word with the utmost respect. Uh, he really is a, a wonderful human being. 
Um, and it is an honor to be joined by him, but I want to talk. There's a lot going on on the Hill. You're obviously a member of the Oversight Committee, but before we get into the latest with the Biden crime families, business dealings, that sounds like too euphemistic of a term to talk about what they've been doing. Um, but I really would love to talk about that wonderful exchange that you had with Samantha Power, uh, the administrator of USAID, because uh, I th really think that that story, right, these crazy, crazy, crazy woke uh, papers and agendas and initiatives that they're funding, not just here, but abroad, uh, really dovetails quite nicely with the ongoing debate about the debt ceiling, right? Because we actually see what they want to fund with our taxpayer dollars. And while it might not be gain-of-function research in Wuhan Institute of Virology, it's frank frankly equally as worse, if not almost as deadly. Um, but if you could just sort of walk us through some of the waste, fraud, and abuse, yeah. so I think that's too light of a term, uh, that we see going on at USAID. I'd appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you so much, Natalie, for having me on. The um, USAID was probably like a lot of these alphabet organizations in Washington was created with good intentions. But USAID has uh, now gone down a very left-wing path. They've, they've requested more than $3 billion in their formula or whatever to, to advance gender equity and equality across a broad range of sectors. Now, this is what we're exporting to foreign countries. We ought to be exporting capitalism, democracy, but we're allowing a bunch of left-wing nut jobs, basically, to, uh, to, to put this stuff out. Um, the money could is not even going towards supporting women, but towards furthering this trans agenda, which to me is a disgrace to women. It's a complete disgrace. And it's not the mission of USA uh, to... Um, to do these things is to promote democratic values abroad. And all they're doing is pr promoting a lot of left-wing ideologues. And and um, the lady that was there, the head lady, which was more disgusting than I could imagine because that the stuff I was talking to her was on their dadgum webpage. I mean, on the front page. And, you know, they just keep sticking our finger, sticking their fingers in their eye because we've got a bunch of left-wingers. Now, Again, it's not the left wing's fault. We are giving them this stuff. We've got a bunch of gutless Republicans, frankly, that won't hold their feet to the fire. They will not hold their feet to the fire. And here we are. We're getting ready to, you know, Medicare is going out. Of, is going to be bankrupt, we know, in a very short matter of time. Um, we're in a budget situation, and this is what we're spending our tax dollars on. People ought to be disgusted. You ought to call your congressman or senator and say, defund USAID, defund it, just cut it out because it is rotten. It's gotten way out of control. And this lady from, she's uh, um, from the Obama administration. It just every time, you know, the Republicans would point out things and then the Democrats would say, oh, we're so sorry you're being put through this. So sorry she's being put through this. What about the hardworking Americans who, they're just working paycheck to paycheck because this bumbling, doddering old man in the White House and this cackling vice president can't can't seem to get their act together, and that their their dollar is worth fifteen percent less. So if you you made a hundred thousand dollars two years ago, it's worth eighty five. That you're making the equivalency of eighty five thousand dollars in two years. You sure as heck didn't see that under the Trump administration, and so we are just um, we're in we're in we're in a 
bad state. This is just the tip of the iceberg. And there's several of these alphabet agencies up in D.C. But this one right here takes the cake, I think. I think the arrogance of these people is beyond belief. And I called them on the carpet, and I hope some other people do too. I think we've seen this woke propaganda and really ideology emanating from all of these three-letter agencies. I'm sure people remember that wonderful recruitment video that the CIA had put out where they said, we basically want mentally unstable women who are transgender uh, to join our ranks. And if you're not, don't even apply. Um, but I think it's particularly sinister when you see it coming from USAID and as someone who you can tell a lot about my social life, but frequents the usaspending.gov website and really tracks how these agencies, and oftentimes it's the State Department too, but the types of initiatives and programs they fund. Just, just last week, they started funding transgender <laughs> makeup classes for people in Nepal. It's, abs it's absolutely absurd. Yeah. Uh, it's comical. There's a part of me that thinks a lot of these are honestly just money laundering operations, because if you look up the, the agencies and the entities that they're actually granting the money to, if on Google Maps, at least, they actually don't exist. They don't actually have office headquarters. Uh, they're just random shacks and villages. Right. Uh, my, my old boss, Raheem Kassam, yeah. and I did a, a wonderful report on the National Pulse on that. But I'm just curious, how can your colleagues not have the same anger and urge to fight this as you do? What, you know, behind closed doors, what is going on? How is there not an appetite to cut this stuff out? Not just because it's woke and it's offensive, but because it's a, a just absolutely ridiculous, ludicrous waste of taxpayer funds. Because they, um, you know, they go on the trips, they get schmoozed, and then they um, they see them feeding some poor starving kid, and then you know the they start playing the harps, and and there they got them eating out, showing them all the good things they do. And you're right about the money laundering. I was told the other day by a pretty good source that they feel like USAID is a, is a laundering for um, for the CIA. I don't know. I haven't dug enough deep into it enough. I wouldn't know where to, what stone to turn over to find that. But um, it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me at all. This is just another case of abuse. You know, when USAID is sponsoring transgender uh, shows, beauty contests down in Central America. Is that what we want to be showing? You know, the Chinese are down there with the um, Belt and Road Initiative are reeling these poor countries in. And is that the image that we want to be displaying to the world of what America is about? And it, to me, it, it's just, it's repulsive. And I left there, I left there really shaken and shaking because of the, uh, the abuse of the taxpayers of, of the of the public purse. So um, we're going to keep hammering on this. I'm going to talk to leadership about it. This just cannot continue on. This kind of stuff cannot continue on. Indeed, and it brings me to another sort of scary point, something that certainly cannot continue on the road it's on, cannot continue to snowball into actual codified legislation. Obviously, you were speaking at that press conference about the WHO pandemic treaty, um, I'm sure the war room audience is very familiar. We have, I think, Reggie Littlejohn, who is there speaking next to you guys on quite frequently to talk about it and give us updates. Um, but just from, from your point of view, where do we stand on the fight against this totalitarian treaty that would obviously see us cede our sovereignty and then some to not just the most globalist, but the most incompetent organization? And that's a pretty low bar, also pretty high bar, uh, the WHO. But where, where do we stand on the fight against that? Well, when I was asked about 
the WHO, somebody, one of my the young people in my office asked me about the Who, and I said, well, I kind of like the Who, you know, Pete Townsend, <laughs> and um, you know, doing his guitar like that. But of course, that was not what it was about. Um, you know, we sent them over three point five billion dollars since two thousand ten. That's with a B. I know that doesn't mean a lot again to people up in Washington, but that gummit in East Tennessee, that's a whole heck of a lot of money. And, uh, you know, they've got vague language in these treaties, and you know the lawyers put that in there so they can drive a semi through it. And that semi will be delivering um, more goods and services to the communist Chinese, I feel like, and some of these other groups. Um, they've, uh, they, you know, they, they, they took a lot of our um, protected stuff in this. And, and what they're after, of course, is... Um, is the protection that American corporations would have, and they've turned it over to this multinational world group that does not have America's interest. And I feel, and I fear, uh, another so-called pandemic that we have. They will control. Um, they will control the uh, the biology. They will control the chemistry. They will control the people that 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 would in effect find these cures and lock them down. And that you would see it would be rationed and it would be given certain people and certain people would be allowed to die. And that's not a conspiracy theory. That is just the reality of these these eggheads that we've allowed and we've funded. And um, they have a mentality that they're better than we are and that, you know, just pat us on the head and tell us little Americans just to go on about our business as little ants on the anthill and they'll make all the big decisions. And it just doesn't work that way. We've got a a Congress that's basically um, about half, almost half of them there would, I think, think that we need a more of a socialist type of agenda and are, and are pushing that. And we have a bunch of Republicans, honestly, who won't fight them, who will not fight them. You know, I saw where Jim Jordan today, and I've been talking about it for weeks, and I'm glad other people are talking about it, where he's talking about defunding the FBI. Because that, and I heard in your previous uh, segment, that is exactly what we have to do in this in this country that's what congress needs to do we need to we need to get some guts finally and start telling these people we are not going to fund these organizations anymore we're going to start taking care of americans dadgummit and quit with all this nonsense because all we're doing really is funding these foreign entities that want to destroy us and funding those folks from within that want to destroy us and that's again not a conspiracy theorist that's just the reality um you know i Countries need to retain their sovereignty as long as, um, you know, the, the activities don't damage the people in other countries. And, you know, why, what would the World Health Organization consider damage letting people remain unvaccinated and not forcing lockdowns? You know, we've got to protect our freedoms and our intellectual property. And we are um, that that's some of the I read you some of the um, the language that's in there. And those are the kind of things that we've got to we've got to be careful of. You know, these lawyers love this vague language and it's in there for a purpose. Certainly not a conspiracy theory. I think it's their mission statement, right? These globalist bodies, they're antithetical to the idea of national sovereignty, uh, the idea that we should be able as American citizens to have control not just over our lives, but our bodies and what we choose or choose not to inject. And before we get in, I think we have time to get into what you've been doing on oversight with the Biden family. Just one point sort of linking it to the debt ceiling. 
you know, it seems like a lot of the just ridiculous spending that we saw come out of Washington happened, obviously, amidst COVID. Obviously, these problems predated COVID, but I would argue it definitely exacerbated it. Um, and I think an interesting critique of the WHO pandemic treaty and how it links to the debt ceiling is that if we let the WHO decide when, where, and for any reason at any time to just launch a pandemic or just declare a pandemic, whether it's climate change, uh, transgenderism, you name the social issue, um, that that, can, that could potentially then trigger another bout of pandemic era spending, right, to combat climate change, to combat white supremacy, to combat racism, whatever all of these terms that they have identified as some of the leading issues facing the world writ large. Yeah. So where do we stand on debt ceiling negotiations? But how do you also think that this whole WHO effort, the pandemic, the you know climate change cultists, all of that also plays into the, the fiscal side of things, too? Well, um, Kevin McCarthy, Speaker McCarthy, of course, has been in negotiations with the president. And I, and I think it sent a message. It was it was a message when he said when he canceled part of his trip overseas. Um, you know, they got on Trump and they got on Obama. Everybody gets on them when they go out on the golf course. But honestly, they don't stop being president. You know, there's somebody there with a phone in their ear all the time. And it's just, you know, and, and him coming home. So I guess technically, so he ha he can sign the paperwork. He has to sign the actual uh, thing if it's ever negotiated. But, you know, I hear a lot on both sides. I hear, you know, the Democrats are in lockstep. They're going to, they want it clean. They don't want anything. But if Biden was smart, he'd come back and say, okay, I'll let you do half. We'll cut half the IRS agents. The Republicans could claim victory. Um, and I still wouldn't be for it because it still adds $1.5 trillion to the national debt um, uh, every year, even the conservative version, so-called conservative version does. But I, I feel like that's kind of what we're what we're looking at. Um, and I, I think they're getting close to something. I think the president is is blinking a little bit and and saying, yeah, we're going to do something because and in 2011, he was the guy for he was Obama's negotiator for the debt ceiling back then. So for him to say that it never gets done is just very disingenuous, even though he doesn't remember what he had for breakfast. Um, I still think he's probably, uh, they're doing something. They're trying to give, get something because they know they need to get it on. And they're not winning. They're not winning in the public's view because a lot of people are just saying, shut the whole thing down, shut it down. But what you'll see at the very end, and I know I'm talking too long, but if the <laughs> Democrats get their back against the wall, they will start putting the pinch on veterans and seniors, some of our most vulnerable members of society, and then Republicans will get three phone calls and they'll cave. See, the audience knows I'm not like Steve. I don't typically interrupt, and I think it's only because I've been on the other end of being on with Steve so much no. that I always enjoy being able to, to make my point. But we only got a few minutes left. Um, so I, I want to, as much as I would love to do a special with you and just talk about UFOs, unfortunately, we can't do that today, <laughs> but <laughs> I would love to just and that get is a the latest. That's a huge cover up. That is a huge cover See? up, by the way. I'm not, I'm, I'm going to, I'll talk to Steve about Mr. <laughs> Bang. I would love to go in there. I've been told by many sources, the highest of them all, that you are the go-to expert. But I, I think also given your position on oversight, you know a little bit about what's going on with the investigation into the Biden crime family. Again, I think that's too nice a term. Like I said, we only got a few minutes, uh, but where do we stand on all that? And especially the, the whistleblowers, are they still with us? Where are they? What What is going on with them? 
Yeah, the whistleblowers are um, I, they're still there. The the main one is what they're concerned about, and that was that was confused over um, some other people and another issue. And anyway, I think we're going to be in good shape there. Uh, that's the left trying to make an issue out of something that isn't an issue. The um, uh, the, the the Biden crime family is is very much alive and well. You know, they've received over ten million dollars um, since Biden got in office. His son. Uh, orchestrated this, you know, they, um, uh, I said that when they went to mob school, they were asleep during money laundering class because they were very poor at it. You know, you, they, uh, they get a, a million dollars sent to an attorney and then he divides that amount up among nine Biden family members, even have some minors. I mean, these people are innocent, but they're being brought into this, you know, ex sister-in-laws, things like that. Just crazy stuff, Natalie. It's crazy. And it's, um, it all started when, you know, Joe Biden would go, he was over there, I believe he was lecturing Romania, you know, the epicenter of ethics, I guess, in Europe. <laughs> but he was, <laughs> and then at that very, very moment, his son and his associates are getting a million dollars sent to them from some sketchy dude over there that's under investigation for, um, for shenanigans. And, uh, and the national media says there's no story. It's just unbelievable. They are so far in the tank for this clown uh, they are they're spinning out of control and they have nothing. And Congressman, and unfortunately, we're, we're coming up against yep. the end of the show. I would love to let you go, but I guess I just jinxed myself. I had to interrupt you. But if people want to follow you, where can they find you on social media? Uh, I got all the stuff, but the cool one is at Tim Burchett <laughs> on Twitter. That's where I unload on them and I don't care. So um, I don't care on the others either, but that's the one I have I do by myself. So thank you so much, Natalie. It's wonderful to see you, and I hope to see you again in D.C. very soon. Of course. Have a good one. Thank you so, so much for joining us. And War Room Posse will be back tomorrow at 10 a.m. I was thinking earlier today, just imagine what the Biden crime family is going to do once he leaves office, all the money laundering that's going to go on. That's why we need accountability more than ever. We'll be right back. Folks, let me tell you about Solti. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out. For WARROOM veterans, you know we have been all over this supply chain issue with China and medications and the uh, active pharmaceutical ingredients. China has a stranglehold on us where there's a way to break that. 
Jace Medical. I got an emergency medication kit from them. The FDA just declared a global shortage of medication and warned that critical antibiotics are in extreme short supply across the United States. But you know that because you're a viewer or listener of the show. Now, here's the action you can take to correct. Do yourself and your family a favor and get your Jace case right now. It's a pack of five prescription antibiotics you'll have on hand for common emergencies. Just visit jacemedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Take a few minutes and fill out the form. Your information will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medication will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. You'll be glad you have the Jace case. Go to Jace Medical, that's one word, J-A-S-E, medical.com, and enter code Bannon at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code Bannon at Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. You know what the problem is because you've watched the show. You can break, you can take action and break that problem by going to Jace Medical and get your Jace case today. Action, action, action. 